I'm Ted Baker. This is the Hobart Lacrosse Podcast, Episode 62, following the first ever Atlantic 10 road game for the Statesman. One goal loss at High Point, North Carolina, and yet another trip to Hawk Hill, reminiscent of the old days, uh, this Saturday at 1 p.m. for St. Joe's, joined by the head coach of the Statesman, Greg Raymond. Welcome back. Thank you, Ted. Thank you. How are you? Good. It, it just it didn't look like it was going to be your day for a long time. Down 11-6, you put a good rally together in the fourth, uh, came up just one short. You didn't have the backup on that last shot. What were your overall thoughts on the game? Um, you know, that, that uh, <clears throat> I mean, we did some good things. I think uh, uh, defensively had, had a decent day, um, uh, a better day from a, a support system standpoint. I thought... You know, offensively, it was fairly choppy. Uh, you know, I thought we did a pretty good job with that 10-man ride. I just think, you know, ultimately, Ted, there were a lot of a lot of things that weighed in on on execution, which we tried to get out in front of earlier in the week and, and talked a lot about, you know, how distracting this trip was going to be and um, how challenging it was going to be and, and you know, being having to leave um, – some of our some of our brothers and teammates at home just with uh you know with the flight system and and the cost of travel and um uh you know with some delays and some layovers and some you know pouring rain from the minute we left till the minute we got back to Geneva and it just you know having a having a brand new venue a brand new environment place we've never been before um all all things uh, that that can lead to uh, a disruptive uh, or, or disruptive execution day, and um, I thought early we did an okay job with it, but I just didn't feel a sense, you know, a lot of pop in our step, um, explosive dodging, um, you know, great on ball physicality. Just you know, in, in in a lot of cases, I thought that 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 travel day and that travel weekend weared on us a bit. I, you know, I just saw some. Um, it, you know, some tired legs, to be honest with you. I thought the energy was great. Our guys um, did a really good job of getting up for that game and, and preparing well for it. We did a lot of things that we talked about uh, in between the lines and on offense and on defense. You know, guys are in the right places. I just, we feel at this point, we got to get more of our uh, our guys, our seniors, our leaders to step up and, and win a few more individual battles. So ultimately, I think, Ted, there was a very sloppy game all over. I thought it was a you know, a poorly played lacrosse game. You know, the weather was terrible. Um, it showed a lot. You know, it was cold. The rain seemed like it was coming sideways. It was, uh, you know, typical um, Geneva weather. But from a from an execution standpoint, overall, High Point and Hobart, it was just it was it was sloppy. But um, you know, some 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 great things to take from a resilient standpoint. And that huddle that we had when it was eleven to six and. You know, we looked at these guys and said, you know, what are we going to do here? Are we going to are we going to step up? Are we going to fight? Or, um, you know, you're going to cash them in and, and chalk this up to an excuse or whatever. So I'm proud of the way we fought. You know, I'm just uh, I'm still disappointed in, in, in how we played from a 60 minute game standpoint. We said in the pregame show that this was more than about one game. This was about establishing a rivalry and letting the other teams in the A-10 know that they've got to circle the date when Hobart comes to town. I mean, you accomplish that. High Point is going to not think, okay, these guys were picked to finish fifth. It's like, wow, they battled us to within a goal at our place. Yeah, you know, and and I and I do think there's elements to who we are that, 
that, that are better than that high point team. You know, I'm a stubborn guy, Ted, and, 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 I, you know, maybe I'm a little bit too optimistic, but I just, I believe that we're a better team than high point and they played better on that day. And, you know, we're, we're still figuring out, um, you know, what to do with a couple of these key guys out. And, and, um, you know, it seems like whenever we get into a groove, another guy drops a little bit or, or has this injury or has that injury and all end of season stuff that happens to most teams. But, you know, the, the continuity of who we are has been challenged from the beginning of the year. You know, we, we sat, we sat and talked about, you know, when's the last time we were all the way healthy. And, um, you know, it's funny, coach Brundage is, you know, I think it was Lehigh. And I'm like, no, Anthony didn't play in Lehigh. And, you know, and then we go back to the game before and we're like, no, Johnny didn't play in that game or yada, yada, yada. So it's, you know, all the way through up until this point, uh, there, there's been some moving parts that have made it very challenging for us to show who we are completely from a healthy standpoint on game day. Now, I'm not making excuses. We got plenty of guys that should be able to play quality lacrosse. So we still need to do a better job as a coaching staff. Um making sure that the product we put out on game day is better. And, uh, and we know that. So, but, you know, we're, we're always, we're always going to fight Ted. I mean, there's, you know, there's no doubt in our mind that, you know, this team always responds to challenge and, and, and is a resilient group. What we're telling them is you don't have to keep proving it, man. You know, I mean, we don't have to show that we can bounce back from a loss. Well, we don't have to show that we can overcome a deficit, you know, da, 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 all this stuff. We don't have to show those things. We can just play well, we can play well and feel good about it. And um, we we still uh, are, are in the full belief that we can, and we will. So these rivalries will continue to, to answer your question. And, you know, it's a one goal game with the ball in our best player stick with his hands free, um, uh, you know, to, to tie it up. So uh, the, these are the way rivalries start and they go right down to the wire. They go right down to the last minute. Um, I do think there are things we could have done to make that game not be as close, but that's the way it was. And, you know, we put up a good play. Um, Coach Brundage uh, gets uh, a big little behind the goal with Anthony to the end of, for for the end of the game and 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 get a good shot that we wanted. So the point is, um, we're going to fight and battle at all of these conference games, uh, and no matter who the opponent or what the scenario is, just because you know that's what we've taught our guys to do, and and that's what they bought it. That's what they're bought into doing. We knew it would be tough to clear against this team. You you had six failures. Let's talk strategy and tactics a little bit on a clear. I'm a long pole in front of my goal. I'm coming up the middle of the field. What am I supposed to be reading and and to, to ensure I make a good decision? Well, that's not where those fail clears were, Ted. I mean, the, I mean, the reads in that clear, um, I mean, the fail clears are in, um, you know, a ground ball on the sideline and we have the ball in our stick. And instead of running to space and running to green and uh, dealing with some pressure, we chuck the ball in front of our uh, opponent's goal and give them an easy goal there in a one goal game. We've got guys that are, you know, doing things off their back foot with pressure on them and um, not not sticking to the fundamentals they've been taught and that we talk about so often that um, in, in a pressure scenario uh, they get jammed up a bit. So when we did the we did the right things. I mean, from a read standpoint, getting the ball to our short sticks, getting the ball to these gaps in the areas of the defense, seeing the deep play. Um, you know, seeing where the defense is pressuring up from a 10-man scenario, uh, you know, whenever we did that, we were successful. But when we, uh, you know, a fail clear on a statistic category, you know, that means 
the goalie had the ball, threw it to Nolan Firth, and then fifty number fifty five checked the ball right out of Nolan Firth's stick, and it goes out yeah. of bounds. You know that's a fail clear. And then um, you know we get pick up a ground ball with Marcus Trujillo, and we're running to the sideline, and they infiltrate his stick, and that ball goes out of bounds. Or Bobby Baltzer has a ground ball, and they pressure the ball out of his stick. So it's never it, it wasn't so much the system of the clear failed. It was that our guys in high pressure moments just didn't handle pressure great and or or high point just made a couple great plays so um you know that was an area that you know in that second quarter uh, you know we get uh, a few procedure penalties i guess i mean you know i'm not one to talk about officiating but it wasn't great and um you know give them the ball back in a consistent basis in that second and the in the beginning of that third quarter which i think was the difference in the game really is starting that third quarter two men down or a man down for two minutes and um you know having some of those end of uh end of quarter penalties that that give the other team momentum um but it was in that you know the the fail clears come from uh, you know, just w- what are the decisions we're making once we pick that ball up? How do we have great possession of it and get into our clear? Once we're in it, then then our guys have shown they have the ability to make good decisions. It's just a matter of handling that pressure so we can get there. And you talked about the ball being on the ground. Ground balls in the second half, they had a 20-9 to nine advantage, and it just seemed we were saying all day the 50-50 balls seemed to be 80-20 balls in their favor. Is that is that bad luck or no, tough I mean, positioning? We, we, that's that's also their statistician doing a terrible job. We we had <laughs> uh, we had Will Corbett go through all the because we looked at the ground balls after the game and we said there's no chance that they on ground balled us by 15. And so we looked at it, we did the stats, and they're different for us. And we did it three or four times. Will Corbett did it for uh, us. Will's okay. the smartest guy I know, and he shows that we won ground balls 32 to 29. So who knows, Ted? But um, from that statistical standpoint, you know you always got to look at the face off. You always got to look at the fact that, you know, we picked up a ball and again, maybe we get the ball dislodged from our stick and then they pick it up right away, you know, with their hands free. So, um, you know, I think from a possession battle, we, uh, there's nothing that's unlucky in my opinion. If we, if, if they beat us, they beat us. I just, I feel like in a lot of different scenarios in this game that, that we lost, um, that we didn't, we didn't make high point beat us in all of these circumstances that we just you know didn't execute well and beat ourselves a little bit so it's something we've talked about a bunch this week and and you know from a ground ball standpoint ted we talk a lot about where they are uh we i mean we stat uh we have a sheet with a field on it and we stat where the ground balls were and are most consistently throughout the course of a game and put our guys in those scenarios in practice so that they're you know, picking up contested ground balls where we feel like we'll see them the most against our opponent and continuing to uh, to harp on what, what a fundamental ground ball looks like and, you know, what happens when you try to pick it up one-handed, what happens when you don't center the ball and you, and you round the thing out, and, you know, what happens when you don't change planes with, uh, uh, with an opponent on your back or with an opponent in front of you, yada, yada, yada. So we're, uh, we're fully focused on the fact that if, if – uh, if those stats were even remotely accurate, which I don't think that they are, um, then we uh, that that's where you lose the game right there. But um, the possession battle is paramount every week. Ted, it will be again this week with the the best faceoff guy in the country coming our way. Extra man unit four out of five, and one of my the most fun things in watching Hobart lacrosse is seeing Sam Ward sneak to that left goal post. 
catch a pass and then just drop it in the goalie's feet in the net. Yeah, they're doing they're doing a good job, and uh, you know some good leadership out there. We got you know a few guys banged up, so there's going to be some new faces on that unit this week, um, and we got to have a couple more uh, decent days of practice there uh, to to make sure that we're sharp. But you know, I think he he's open because of. You, you know who who Rosie is on that unit and and the shooters that we have in Troy and and uh, the vision that we have uh with ad and and Anthony when he's out there it's it's uh um it's a pretty good balance you know so you you really they tried shutting us off a few times we we're very prepared for that and and um so a, a unit that's clicking for sure and I think they'll continue to just because they know where we're strong uh they know that if Sam's covered Rosie ain't and if Rosie's covered Sam's probably open and it's just about our guys having the patience and the time to read that play and and make sure that they're not forcing anything based on what they know could be open. And um, Coach Brundage has done a really good job helping them helping them understand these are our reads. This is what we look for. If this defenseman does this, this is where the ball should go. If this defenseman does that, this is where the ball should go. So uh, we're proud of them, man, and, and uh, are going to need them to keep uh, keep pushing here and keep playing well. You mentioned Anthony to tell us it's interesting watching players develop. He's really gone over the last few weeks from a shoot-first guy to a guy who's still a great shooter but can uh, make a terrific pass. Yeah, he's. I mean, Anthony's got great vision, Ted, and, and and a high IQ. I think a lot of it comes from the you know what he's fighting with his body and and um, you know the pop that he has in a dodge and you know his ability to draw a slide. I think he's doing a really good job um, monitoring and handling you know any ailments he has uh, uh, when he's playing, and he is playing a little banged up for us, and we really appreciate that. And and you know I think he's you know he's using his strength more to draw those slides than he is his quickness and speed. So what he's seeing is um, a defense open up you know while he's using physicality to uh to get to a good spot on the field and if if a slide doesn't come i think he has a good ability to 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 use his size and strength to get his hands free and if a slide does come he always has his head up so um he's uh he's a warrior for us man we're we're appreciative of it and and um are going to uh, are going to need him to continue to heal up and, and play good ball for us. Talk about Ellis Wilson's development and goal. He stopped almost fifty percent, which is pretty much what you're looking for these days, and and just made some real spectacular saves. Those just give a team such a lift when there's a shot that has every right to go in, and and somehow he makes the stop. Yeah, for sure. And, and it, you know, I mean, think about it, Ted. You're you're a freshman. You know, I remember back to my my Princeton days and, and you know, dealing with Coach T, and I've told this story to our freshmen every year, our first years every year. I sit them down and I say, you know, April for a first-year Division One athlete is where we start to see a drop-off. They just it, – it's, it's a long year. It's a long season. That's why we put so much ownership on our seniors and our most experienced players because these young guys get to a point in April where they um, – you know they're they're tired, man. It, it's that simple, and they just can't be. It, it, there's no excuse because everybody has those same ailments. Everybody has those endurance tests. Everybody has those maturity tests throughout the course of a season. You and I have talked at length, Ted, about what endurance means uh, for the end of a year. And you know, so if you look at Ellis, he's in that first year mold where you know school's starting to build up finals are starting to build up and um and play is getting increased preps getting increased you you need to know your opponent better just because they'll know you better it's um you know so there's a lot to throw at a young man and he's also 
you know, a, a first year in a goal for a team that's never played in an Atlantic 10 conference before. So there's lots of things that we need to be patient with Ellis with. And, um, you know, he let in a few goals against high point that are not him that he should have. And, and, uh, but he also had a bunch of great saves early that, that stopped high point from going on a run. So, um, you know, he's, uh, he's battling all elements here, man. And we, uh, we think he's awesome for doing it, you know? And so, and we also have, great goalies sitting behind them going, Hey, I'm ready if you need me, you know? So um, it's a position we still look at like crazy, but you know, I'm proud of Ellis for um, the resilience he's showing um, him building this endurance and figuring out how to be, you know, a first year goaltender in a very challenging conference um, in April as, um, as things start to grind down on him. So uh, he's got to, uh, he's got to take a deep breath here, stay the course and, you know, hopefully his best lacrosse is yet to come. At St. Joe's this Saturday, it's a 1 o'clock start. We mentioned this uh, a couple of podcasts back. It's the place you've been more than any place other than at home. It'll be your 12th game on Hawk Hill. Does it help any kind of being familiar with the place? Yeah, I think so. It, it helps. It helps our guys for sure. It helps. It helps understanding that they beat us in a conference championship game last year. And it helps remembering how that felt on that field. Um you know, we've also won conference championships on that field and, and won big games, one goal games, overtime games. I think, you know, a reason why we've we've been there so much, Ted, is just because of one, how, how good of a team they are and their ability to host a conference tournament and um, yada, yada, yada. And, uh, you know, it's also just 10 years in a row where, um, you know, you're playing a similar opponent. So uh, I think uh, our guys, if you if you talk about the travel, Ted, I mean, I can't even begin to kind of pinpoint uh, how much of a grind traveling to High Point was for us last week, and you know what, how different that was, and all, all all uncontrollable elements that happened in a flight going down there, and and the weather, and and sprinting to a practice, and you know practicing in, in freezing cold rain, and uh, you know on on a field that we could find through an acquaintance, and because High Point didn't give us a practice time and yada, yada, yada. It was just, it was, it was very different. It was a very long day. It was very tough. So, you know, being able to go to a familiar site with a much shorter travel day, I think is going to give our guys a huge deep breath. We're staying in the same hotel. We always have uh, same banquet room. We always have dinners get delivered from a place that we love. You know, we got a senior speech coming from Michael Christensen. So all the signs point to tons more familiarity, um, and, and tons more motivation, to be honest with you. Our guys really don't have a great love loss of St. Joe. I mean, there's I think there's very few programs that our seniors on this team dislike more. So, um, you know, the other one's in a different league right now. So yeah. you know, I think, uh, I think um, you know, there's lots of underlining themes to this game. I think the biggest one for us, though, Ted, is this season and this journey. And, you know, how, how it hasn't always gone the way we've planned and um, what we're prepared to do to continue to right this ship and make the end of this season, you know, much more memorable in a great way um, than the beginning. And so, um, yeah, we, we know where we're going. We know what we're up against. And uh, we're anxious to uh, to have this opportunity to put our best version forward. Zach Cole at the faceoff X, 638 win percentage. He has four goals, four assists. I'm going to age myself a little here, but there was a an old pitcher way back when, and they said, how do you pitch to Hank Aaron? He says, I make my best pitch, and then I run and back up third. 
<laughs> um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think he's as advertised, um, you know, he, he's shown that he's grown in versatility too, which is a bummer. You know, he used to, he used to have an exit to the very similar spot. So you could, you know, kind of, um, you know, change your wing play and, and, and make his ability to exit a little bit tougher. I think he's grown in great versatility in all those places. And, um, you know, I think we got a pretty good guy that's going up against him too, two pretty good guys. So, you know, I think uh, um, we have, we have a game plan uh, very well prepared. I think that's another good thing about playing St. Joe is we know who they are and um, we know who Zach Cole is. I think uh, as always, it's not always at the draw for Cole. I mean, yeah. they have so much confidence in him that they they do so many things offensively after that faceoff win. It's 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 about half to sixty percent of of how they play on offense is how they transition from the faceoff to the offense and from defense to offense. So um, it's one thing we're focused on a ton, and we've got just a few tricks in our bag to be disruptive there, and and are hopeful that uh, all guys in those moments know exactly how to execute in those moments, and then we can uh, we can give them a pretty challenging day. We want to dislike him, but then last year at the tournament, his family was sitting right in front of our broadcast location, and we got to visit with them, and they're really nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, Ted. We, you know, we talk about um, in, in some elements where you know our sideline is very energetic and. You know, the uh, we have a rule here that we can never speak to our opponent. We can never speak to officials, and um, and sometimes our guys. You hear it every game. Uh, there's there's guys on our sideline that think they're going to somehow, you know, get a call from an official, and that's a push or that's a this, that's a that. It just obviously has never happened. There's no official that's made a call, hurts hurt a player from the opposing call sideline. Go, oh wait, you don't like that call? Okay, I'll change it. Um, yeah. That's never happened, and also. You know the the constant the constant chirping of of an opponent and um you know trying to make believe that you hate a specific guy because he's good at what he does is is it's just not healthy competition yeah. and, and it and it disrespects the game you know I think being able to have great emotion against your opponent because they're trying to prevent you from doing or from accomplishing a goal is. Um, exactly what you need, but I can't speak to any of these guys as people. I just don't know them. You know? So it'd be it'd be a ton easier if he was a bad guy. Yeah. You know, it'd be a ton easier to to compete against all these guys if if they were bad guys. I just don't I just don't know that to be true, and I don't believe that it is. So I know that they compete very hard, and I know that we have very specific goals at the faceoff X and as a team that we want to accomplish every game and. Anybody that tries to prevent those is an enemy. And um, if we can't find great, healthy emotion in that ideology, then we're not great competitors, Ted. But I think that we can. Their shooters, especially Carter Page, have an ability to get to the spot where they want to shoot from. And, I mean, Page is not a huge guy. He's got 39 goals. Levi Anderson has 30. What what makes let, – let's focus on Page because he's been a killer against this team over the years. How does he get that – position where exactly where he wants to be almost every time uh well you know first he, he he does have that um canadian background and that indoor stuff he's got he's got excellent hands and um you know an ability to handle the ball in really tight spaces i think i think he's been you know levi anderson was awesome when he got there and you know and bomer's been great he, he, those two guys just 
have great ability to dodge and they're big and they're strong and you know Tucker Brown the same thing but I I think Carter's been the glue to this team that they didn't have the first couple times we played them um, or the first couple of years and since he's been there you see other things open up just because of just because he's so capable of scoring goals with so little space so you have to accommodate for that when you're supporting that ball so you know I think that what makes him great is that everybody on his team knows he's great. And uh, it's the same thing you face with a, with a Hiltz at Syracuse. It's that when time's winding down or they need something, you just throw it to number 62. And, you know, most likely he'll he'll catch that ball and make a play on the goal because he's he's got that type of vision and that type of ability to handle tough passes and, and to get the ball out of a stick very quickly. So uh, we have great respect for him, man. And, and like you said, he's had great games against us. So we've, uh, we've known that when they've succeeded really well offensively, um, Zach Coles had really big days and uh, Tucker Brown, number 63 and Carter page 62 have had really big days. So um, we've talked a lot about that this week. But like I said, to start this podcast, Ted, we can talk about it all we want. Our, our players have to step up and stop them and um, and make sure they know their strengths, know where they're great, know where they attack you. And we've got to disrupt that. If we're, if we're going to have a great game defensively, Carter Page ain't going to have a great game offensively. Here's one of these cases where the stats don't tell the full story. You look at their team goals allowed and say, oh, here's a team you can score on. Uh, that was their first two goalies. They've started three different goalies, and now they found one who gives up seven and a half goals a game. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, we're uh, we're we're looking forward to um, putting enough goals and enough shots on him where they got to think about who they got in goal and maybe switch them again. So you know, I, uh, I I'm not sure they're very or or overly confident in that position. I think the guy that's playing now is good. For sure, I think you know the kid Robbie Seeley, who's played against us in the past, was good. You know, it's it's a day thing, man. Ted, it's always like we tell these guys like we don't have to beat St. Joe's thirty times, man. We got to beat them once on Saturday. And you know, I think the 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 focus that can go into that, specifically from a scoring standpoint, is you know where where do we want to put this ball where this guy has a rough day, you know, and where do we want to put this ball where they can't run and gun the other way. You know, I think going back to those all those original points, I mean, we played the Providence goalie and beat him, right? You play the Syracuse goalie, you play, I mean, we played better goalies than this guy. There's no doubt. Can he have a great game? Sure. But it's our responsibility to make sure that he doesn't. So uh, we've got to move him around. Uh, we got to make sure we're, we're prepared to shoot the ball to spots that he doesn't like. And uh, we got to pepper him, man. We haven't been shooting the ball as often as we normally do. And um, and it's been a bummer. I think it's had an outcome on how how our our the goals that we put up on how fast we're playing, and uh, we've been working real hard all week to change that. So we want the ball to fly on Saturday, and we want this guy to make saves. And um, and if he's going to, awesome. But we're not going to make it easy. In a five game league schedule, week three is pretty huge. You get a win here. You're two and one. They're two and one. Maybe another team is two and one, and it's anybody's race. Yeah, all three in the middle, right? The UMass, the High Point, the the Hobart, the Richmond, um, all same records, and um, and then you got the two bookends. You got you know St. Joe, who's probably the best on paper, um, that's undefeated right now, which 
you know, calling it undefeated is crazy. It's two games, but and then you got St. Bonaventure at the other end that that is defeated with an 0-2 schedule. So, you know, these next three weeks are going to be huge, you know, and I think uh, getting our guys to recognize how much lacrosse we have left. You know, it's so easy, Ted, to look at this thing like, okay, we're at the end. Let's get tons of angst, tons of energy, tons of effort. You know, it's it's winding down. Only three guaranteed games left, yada, yada, yada. We've got to focus on how much lacrosse there is left to play. And this very this might very well go down to that UMass game on a Friday night in Amherst to see who's making this tournament, you know, or, you know, who's see, with the seeding in this tournament, whatever it is. Like, we got to settle into the day. We got to make sure we we know our tees are running out of our cut, man. And for our seniors, you know, golf's right around the corner here, no matter how you look at it. Even if we continue to win and make a strong push in these playoffs, there still ain't a ton of time left. So the point is, can you settle into the day? Can you make sure you know that we we don't need to make this a a conference complicated agenda? It has to be about playing great lacrosse on Thursday at practice. And then on Friday at practice, enjoying the travel with your teammates on Friday, learning your scout even further, watching the film you need to watch, having a great team dinner, listening to a phenomenal senior speech, and then getting up and outplaying a team four quarters at a time, 15 minutes at a time, one play at a time. And if you make it past that, if you become more outcome driven, Ted, you fail. You have to be process driven. We've got to settle into the fact that the season is just getting started. The most important part of the season is just getting started. And we still have yet to put our best game together. And I think it's in front of us here. All right. Some of your greatest moments have been on this field. Let's hope another one's made Saturday. Yes, sir. All right, this is the Hobart Lacrosse Podcast, Episode 62 with Coach Greg Raymond. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go to get your podcasts and all your athletics news is at hwsathletics.com. Until Saturday, have a great lacrosse week.